Hello there. I'm Annie Mack and I have a terrible memory. Like, awful. I have been so freaked out about the fact that I can't remember huge parts of my life that I've decided to do this podcast to try and get my memory back. So that's what I'm going to do. Week by week by week, I am going to find out my memory, goddammit. I'm going to find out who the hell I was and who the hell I am. And who better to help than my family, my friends and some fabulous guests. So let's start this very first episode of Finding Annie with a memory from my ma, otherwise known as Rosie Mack. And I know when your dad brought me into hospital, he announced at the door who you are and there was somebody there came down to get me from the delivery ward and I said, it's breach and it's urgent. He didn't believe me. So anyhow, they brought me up. It was 45 minutes from the first to the end, from the first little contraction until the delivery, and it was 45 minutes of agony. And it got worse and worse as it went on, the agony, because they just wouldn't believe me. But then when we got up there, they did believe me, and they they had to bring me straight in, because I was screaming and you were born. They didn't have to do any more cuts or anything. There was nothing like that. You were just born. Well. (laughs) So anyhow, you were born, and then as soon as you were born, everything was much better, of course. And the afterbirth came very quickly, and your dad came in, and I was just going... Shaking. I'll never forget it. Yeah. And the nurse came and said, don't worry, dear, you're in shock. And that was it. (laughs) And then um, they brought you and put you beside me and you were a great big baby, as you know, nearly 10 pounds. And uh, you were quiet. You had a load of black hair, yeah. And you had a big round face. And uh, you just didn't really look like anybody. Everybody always said, who does she look like? I couldn't see that you looked like anybody except your little self. And you always had a lovely little personality and it stayed there. Still there. Thank you to my mother, Rosie Mack, for that very fascinating and no-holds-barred account of my grand entrance into the world. Uh, My mum had four babies in five years, so that was a fourth labour for her in her life. I I still don't know how she did it. Rosie Mack clearly had fast and furious labours. All of them were fast. I think mine was the quickest, though. And I am very lucky to have inherited whatever gene that is. Um, Both of my labours were really fast and furious, too. I mean, they were terrifying, don't get me wrong, but they were quick. And I guess that made it much easier in a lot of ways. Labour is, frankly, terrifying. You know, it's that whole fear of not knowing, not knowing how it's going to go, not having any control over a situation. It's right that labour is terrifying because we have a history of women dropping like flies when it comes to labour. You know, back in the Renaissance days, childbirth was so dangerous that a woman would make out her will as soon as she found out she was pregnant. You know, our history is overrun with women dying in childbirth. Nowadays, it's not fear of death. You just kind of spend nine months of your life anticipating all of the shit that can go wrong. 
And also what I found surprising was the amount of people willing to kind of shower you with their stories of nightmare labours when you're pregnant. Like, I don't, we don't need that. We don't need those stories. I remember that like two days before I gave birth for the first time, being with my mom in our local like uh, village, town, whatever you call it, in London, and a woman like seeing me all pregnant. And that's the other thing about being pregnant. People just feel like they can come up and talk about your body willy nilly like it's nothing. Um, and yes, yeah, she told me, you know, in graphic detail all about the, the prolapse that she got from her child. I was like, do I do I really need to hear about that prolapse? Probably not. What I have learned from my two childbirths is that there is no amount of training, no amount of skill no amount of books you can read, no amount of courses you can go on that will provide you with the perfect childbirth. I mean, you can be mentally prepared, but you never know how it's going to go. Um, the closest thing I can compare labour to is like going to a fairground, getting on the biggest, wildest, most unpredictable roller coaster that they have, strapping yourself in and holding on for dear life praying you get a healthy baby at the end of it. I think there's a real pressure on women to have a certain type of childbirth too. Um, and, and all I would say is to, to go into it with a very open mind, preparing that anything might happen and just to focus on getting to the other side of it, focus on your little baby and what they'll be like and when you're going to meet them. Um, the method, the process, just get through it. Take as many drugs as you can. Whatever you need to get through it, just do it with the least amount of stress that you can. But obviously you will be stressed because you're pushing a human being out of your vagina. It's not relaxing. With Riley, the contractions were so strong. I didn't have many at all. I think I might have only had 10 before he came out. I was in the room. The midwife was like, OK, you're here. We'll just go for a little walk. And I was like, really? I don't think I need to go for a walk. But I, I just kind of went with it because I was just happy to be to be to have someone in control of me telling me what to do. I got as far as the door... And I had a contraction that was so seismic that I was doubled over and kind of put my hand out in this chair to steady myself. But the chair had wheels and <laughs> the chair and me went flying. Uh, so the midwife was like, OK, let's get back in the room. Don't think we need to go for a walk. Three more contractions later, I was in the bath and it was probably about another four and Riley had come out. And I can safely say that as well as being terrifying, humiliating, yes, some of my poo was floating in the bath at the end of it, it was weirdly just the most delirious and love-filled experience that I think I've ever had. And it's something to be remembered. And I do have the shittest memory of all time, thus this podcast. But on both of my labours, I wrote down everything that happened to me. So I do have this very detailed, uh, vivid memory of my two labours and I'm really grateful for that um it's funny talking about my friends and you know sharing the stories of our childbirth I do find it bizarre that stories of labour and childbirth aren't shared openly more I think there's a kind of fear in women that they're going to put the fear of God into other women um and also a guilt amongst the women that have really good childbirths that they don't want to feel like you know, women are going to resent them for it. Or I, I don't know, there's so many emotions and feelings involved in it. It's one of the most normal, common things in the world. And I'd love to hear more people speaking about it in a public space. So yeah, that's why episode one is dedicated to childbirth. It's been a massive, massive 
part of my life. The most profound and miraculous thing that I will ever do with the body that I have been given. And I think it's good to talk about it. The good, the bad and the ugly. And there is definitely a lot of ugly. I thought it would be nice for this podcast to speak to someone who was really helpful to me when I was pregnant in terms of helping me just be less scared and helping me come up with ways to enter that childbirth experience in a positive way uh, with just really good advice and wisdom and humour, some recommendations of books and a real-life contraption. You'll hear all about it. Please enter the podcast. Broadcaster, mother, TV presenter and all-around absolute legend, Sarah Cox. The kids um, are beautiful. I'm not a fantastic mother. You are a fantastic mother. I'm not. I've well, seen I, you in action. Well, my eldest keeps going, you're not that bad, Mum. We, we won't need much therapy, is, is her line at the moment, in that sort of 14-year-old style. Do you know what um, my five-year-old said to me this morning? Go on. You're fired. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> OK. <laughs> Channeling Lord shows. <laughs> yeah, Mum, you're fired. Okay. Oh, no. Um, OK, so this episode is all about childbirth. And my memories of you um, are that when I was pregnant for the first time, I remember coming up here quite a bit to your house. We're in Sarah's house right now. Um, And with my belly and having tea and just like you giving me sage advice on pregnancy and motherhood and and childbirth. And also giving me something physical, which was the TENS machine. Ah, yes. Yeah, which really, really helped me get both of my children out of my body. It's fantastic, isn't yeah. it? Because it's for a woman to be given some form of control over this mad thing that's happening to their body. Yeah. Is is really quite special. Yeah. So explain what the tens machine is. Is it like electric currents or something? Yeah, it's um it's this little thing that looks like a really uh, it just it looks like a, a little a tiny walkman or a little sort of iPod. And um, and you've got a little control on it, a little dial for the intensity, so you can have it from like zero to seven, I think it was, or zero to ten, it must have been. Because I think I got up to seven because yeah. ten's like really intense, oh, and yeah. it would just feel. Like, oh, how would you describe it? it so just, there's like electric, there's pads on your there's back. Pads, so it's connected to pads on your back around. Sort it gives of, you mini electric shocks, basically. Yeah, around your spine. As we're saying this, it doesn't sound great. You wouldn't no. want to use one for day to day use, but it was good at blocking. Off overriding the pain That's sensors it. sort of in your spine yeah. it would vibrate them so that you would you'd still be feeling this sort of weird sort of fizzing on your back yeah but it would manage to match or slightly override the pain feelings yeah. it would help to block them a little bit yeah i remember being in the lift um with Oshin, my eldest at, at the hospital um, having got there fully dilated, mm. so there was no time Boom. at all, and being in the lift and, and clinging onto the sense machine, yeah. and there was wires everywhere, and it was all coming out of me jumper. And, yeah, it's and, brilliant. And, and the, it came off, the pad came off my back, and I was in a packed lift, and I was like, hey, get it back on! <laughs> like freaking out, and he was like trying to get all these wires on. It's like, no! Oh, your jumper. Because like, it is, ah. it's the only source of control. You can press a button to make it up and down and stop and yeah, start. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's the only feeling that you have that you have any sort of power or control over this yeah. incredibly bizarre situation. Yeah. So t- tell me about what are your kind of most vivid memories of your three childbirths? Well, they always should say you should write like a um, a sort of diary of yeah. your childbirths because you can't. You know, like there's just sort of flashes, like flashbulb yeah. moments of like of each birth. 
Um, I remember with Lola, um, she was a few days early. I, w- I was determined not to be late because I kept hearing horror stories that with your first baby, you're always like 10 days yeah. late. And by, you know, a few days before my due date, I was already literally the size of like the county of Cheshire. And I yeah. was like, I can't go any bigger than this. I've yeah. had enough now. So I remember walking my basset end up and down Primrose Hill, just trying to walk this baby out. Yeah. Um, and her dad went off to play a gig in Brighton and then had to promptly turn around because I thought, the, you know, that I was starting with these contractions. Um, and uh, I remember sort of, I was on my own through the night, but I wasn't scared. And there were very mild contractions for about 12 hours or so, yeah. just really gentle ones. And I was thinking, oh, well, this is it. This is fine. This is what they talk about. And then... They got as they got more and more intense, and as as like we were near, because I also thought I don't want to get to the hospital and them send send me away mm. because they'd done that with my sister. Um, she That's went. It's the worst nightmare. Isn't yeah. It? So yeah. she went. She lived in Maida Vale at the time, and she went to Paddington, and they were like, "Nope, I don't want to talk about my sister's dilation on a podcast." But they yeah. they, she, they were like, "You've got to." You you're know, not go you're away, not, basically. You're not you're, wide enough. You're nowhere near. Yeah. So uh, she had to just walk me down the canal oh, for a God while, without leaning her. on her husband. Um, so I thought that uh, that's not going to happen with me. She had her first baby uh, a couple of weeks before, and um, so I was determined to keep going by myself. So there was a lot of swaying around, holding onto a fireplace. I seem to remember, and then. I knew that I was going to be sick and I was I was sick for my first for the girls both girls funnily mm. enough I vomited mm. <laughs> and I said to my husband at the time I said I'm going to be sick I'm going to be sick fetch a pan just grab a pan so he ran to the kitchen and he came back and my friend Tari had bought me this beautiful <laughs> fish pan right and I don't know if you know the shape of a fish pan it's fish shaped so it's <laughs> long and narrow so <laughs> The worst possible <laughs> the worst vessel for vomit. <laughs> it's a really bad vomit vessel. So it was, you know, perhaps sort of nearly... It's quite long, so like half a metre long, but perhaps like, you know, 15 centimetres wide because it's just to fit a long fish in. Yeah. So I had to sort of vomit, like, from side to side. <laughs> like, like, a long lean and sort of vomit and I had to do like a metre of vomit like a thin <laughs> metre of vomit to get it in the pan I was like as if I've not got enough going on I've got a human coming out of my body and I've got to like I've got a vomit challenge I've got to do yeah I've got to vomit some wacky vomit challenge um <laughs> And then we got to the hospital and I'd like really hung on and with the help of the TENS machine. Yeah. And then we, you get in there and, you know, as happens when you're a pregnant woman, you know, you'll basically show your fanny to anyone. Do you it's know, unbelievable. The postman knocks on, yeah, do you want to have a look? Anybody yeah. have a gander? Because yeah. you lose all sense of self. You're suddenly just this... Again, a vessel. A, a vessel yeah. that has just got to sort of funk this thing out. Yeah. Um, and then they checked me and they were like, you ain't going nowhere, love. You are like, you know, well eight centimetres yeah. or whatever. And you were like, yes. Um, yes, so I was like, yes. Mm. And then it all, it all went really nicely with, with all three of them. I was really blessed with lovely pregnancies yeah. and with lovely births. Yeah. But I don't think as a woman you can take any... You know, I don't really think you can take credit 
if your cervix no. opens well. No. I'd no. love to be able to. Yeah. I'd love to say it's because of the books I read or that I'm natural at it mm. or that I'm more relaxed You've or got more the right shape body or yeah. the right shape hips. Yeah, I think just my cervix opened and I was just lucky. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's if that happens, then you can't really take credit, which is really annoying because it's one of the most impressive things I've ever it done. Really the is. three most impressive. But yeah. it's actually, it's my cervix that needs like the round of applause. Yeah. Needs to come, well, not come out and take a bow. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so with Lola, it was it, it went really really well. I remember at one point I was like, oh, should I have some gas and air? Just because I quite fancied it. Mm. Um, oh, I love the gas and air. Yeah, well, they wheeled in, they wheeled it in, and it, and then I saw it come into view, and I was like on on my knees, like on yeah. a beanbag or something, and then they went, oh, it's empty, and they wheeled it out again, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm and it was gone. So I didn't even get to have a go. But oh, did you have a big go of it. it? So, yeah, I got there fully dilated, right? Which was too, too stressful, actually. That's hard. Too I, was, I was trying not to push in the cab. Um, and then uh, I, I got in the room and I was wearing a puffer jacket and boots. And T always says that I walked in the room and I was like, let's get this fucking show on the road. That was, <laughs> that was my exact words. And so I got brilliant. really loud and really leery. That's how I was dealing with the pain, just by yeah. shouting. Amazing. Um, and I got on a in a mad huff because I couldn't get my trousers off and and then this woman this midwife came along and I think her, she was Spanish and her name was Sharon and she had these beautiful eyes I'll never forget and she just looked at me and she went shouting it's not going to get your baby out oh, you've got really? to calm down yeah. and I got told off and I really really needed someone to take control and yeah. she just stepped up and I was like oh okay tell me what to do I'll do whatever you tell me to do yeah. I just want to look at you and you and me are going to fucking get this baby out yeah she, you just have that focus don't you she was amazing yeah. she was like get on your knees right now and then basically my waters broke only then and it, I swear to god it sounded like a champagne cork popping it was like <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it like that and then it was gush all the waters came out like a champagne bottle opening oh and I was like ah. and then that they got me so in the bath mad. which slowed it all down yes um, I, yeah I, yeah. the bath does slow it down I popped in the bath and yeah. it slowed it down so yeah. I was like no I'm getting out I can have a bath anytime. I don't want to slow no, things I, down no I actually liked it because I was so panicky and yes. needed to calm down because it was kind of like a runaway yeah. train and then T was was at the edge um, and he was he was giving me the gas and air he was administering it and I got so high off it at one point, um, mm. I said to T, because they, they, they put this thing under the water and hold it up to your tummy and they can hear the heartbeat. Mm. So they did that and it had a kind of, like a rewind sound, like blah, 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 blah. Mm. And I said to T, it's like Glastonbury in here. <laughs> was he I like, was, yeah, babe? Yeah, <laughs> I was so high. Amazing. And then I remember the baby coming out and looking at every single midwife and going, I love you, I love you, I love oh, you, so I love nice. you, I love you, I love everyone. And there was a disco ball in the fucking ceiling. It could not have been more perfect. Is that what you were seeing or actually was there one? There was a disco ball there. <laughs> was <laughs> you that high that you would see <laughs> disco balls everywhere? Or was there a disco ball? There was. Oh, my God, was there? That's perfect, yeah. Um, but the one thing that no one told me about when it came to childbirth or that I hadn't really considered or thought about was... Dun, 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 mm. The placenta. Oh, yeah, because you're like... Nah, I, I, I'm done with squeezing things yeah, out I just, of my I just fanny. gave birth to, a, to an, a nine pound baby. 
Yeah, what do you mean I have to? <laughs> I know it's what do you mean so I have to push something nearly the same size out of my frazzled red raw vagina? It's so out of order. Oh my god! I was like, you fucking! I had to do twenty minutes more of pushing to get oh the placenta out. I had an injection in my thighs. Did you not have that? The work? second time yeah. I had the injection, they I didn't whacked something in my thigh just to make it happen. Because I was, I was like, plan. leave it up there. It's fine. I'll deal with it next week. <laughs> Let me just. I'm like, I'm like, woo, go me. I'm like so busy being pleased. Yeah. I've got the baby out. Yeah. And then it's the real, like, booby prize. Yeah, it really it really shocked me because you have this overall, like, tremendous release. Your whole, your whole body is shaking, you yeah, know, from the mad. kind of shock of it. And, and, and I was sitting there and I was looking out the side of the bath, which, by the way, I'm going to be graphic here, my poo was floating in it. <laughs> but, but the midwives very discreetly just take it out. It's so amazing, aren't they, midwives? They're, I mean, it's, it's so unbelievable. Fantastic. And I'm looking at this tiny little blue alien baby that T is holding, so they gave it to T, and they're doing the skin-on-skin so they don't mean tea's got no top on and it's so beautiful and then I'm trying to fucking go through labour again with like, the ugliest thing you've ever seen the yeah placenta. it's not even like you want to have a picture with no. it no like I'll always remember the midwives because they yeah. share this most profound yeah. insane personal intimate moment with you and then you never see them again and I remember going away from the hospital with tea and being like we need to send them amazing presents yeah. we need to send them flowers let's get a big picture made for them let's commission some art Obviously never did it. Cause like, so mad. But they do that, like, you know, eight or ten imagine times Imagine that a being your job. It's so mad. It's so mad. And, and then I, I touched my mum. Oh, my God. And I it was like, it. whoa, you're real people who do normal things. <laughs> oh, I love it. But it is a lot about psychology, isn't it? It's about you. I mean, again, this is a book you gave me, babe. Ina May Gaskin. Yeah, who's my absolute hero. Okay. I do think really helped. Explain with all her three. theory yeah. to those who don't know. It was a double hander between Ina May Gaskin and my cervix that got yeah. the babies out, uh, because she's she wrote the most beautiful book, which is one of the just the world's like biggest selling books. A lot of books, like how you know what to expect when you're expecting and all that. They're all very good, but they're all very aware of litigation, so they're all very they're quite doom laden you know yeah. they kind of warn you about birth rather than prepare you and get you ready and make you relax yeah. and Ina May Gaskin is much more about look this is what your body's built for um she was part of a hippie caravan so um it's not like the caravan as in like a beige number on the way to Whitby Bay or whatever it's like um you know be- uh, all these different sort of hippie uh, sort of a hippie trail all with old-fashioned caravans and they all traveled around the US and she was the midwife of this big bunch of hippies yeah so um, and there's lovely photographs and lovely stories just birth stories of you know she was starting to what did they used to call them rushes it was like yeah rushes rushes right. yeah instead of like contraction yeah um and there's all these lovely stories there's a couple of sad ones in there but the vast majority are just very reassuring you know beautiful birth mm. stories of women just giving birth naturally and you know all this pain you know love got the baby in there so love will get the baby out so recommending smooching and this is the your thing. husband like yeah. tweaking your nipples your husband during like labor. kissing and pinching your nipples so what's <laughs> the idea what, what is it it begins with oh, oxy, um, oh oxytocin oxytocin yeah. so, is it that so it's, it's that kind of love that releases makes you all relaxed it makes then. you horny yeah but uh, but apparently relaxes you so it's the idea of and it sounds so ludicrous when you're intense in intense pain that you should be snogging people mm. and like they're feeling your boobs and that's going to help get the baby out but i guess maybe it's about that idea of being relaxed enough yeah i mean some of, some of it like i love that book so much but some of it with a nipple 
tweaking and that. I just no. wasn't up for that, to be honest. Neither was no. neither was Ben. No. no. <laughs> Even with bazooka boobs. I know. I mean, oh my god. But the um, yeah, it's a really beautiful book. There's a lot of spectacularly um, well carpeted fannies in there. Yeah, and and, 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 and hairy beard, big, 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 big beards, beard and yeah. lovely armpits everywhere. But it's really lovely and really hippie-ish, and it's be- it's a beautiful book. Yeah. That did help a lot because I did a lot of that kind of swaying around and a lot of sort of like make sure my hands were relaxed. And mm. if your mouth is relaxed, then you mm. know. Your foo-foo will be relaxed as well. Yeah, yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. And then, obviously, there's... Um, I mean, so many people end up having complete fucking nightmares when they yeah. have kids. Oh. And it's like... Like, like uh, I have a friend who just was... I mean, she had hemorrhaged. Like, everything Horrific. that happened yeah, could have happened. Yeah, everything that can go happened. wrong goes wrong. And people come or out and it's like they've been in a car accident or yeah. something. I always thought I'd have four kids, but I think I've really got away with having, you know. Yeah. You feel as a woman that you don't want to push your look too much. I've had three brilliant pregnancies and three mm. healthy babies mm. um, and easy births, so I've been really lucky. But, yeah, I f- you know, I had friends who, you know, they yeah. labour for 12, you know, oh, 18 hours yeah. and then have an emergency C-section. It's the worst. It's like the worst of And there is worlds. a pressure, isn't there? Like, there's a kind of underlying thing where, like, you, sh- you know, that whole natural labour, you should try and do it. But I think for me, because both of my labours, again, inherited from Rosie Mack, it's mm. nothing to do with me, it was because of my mammy. Yeah. I had really quick labours, so there wasn't even time to think about taking drugs. Yes. Um, did you did you whiz out of your mum really quickly then? Yeah. Yeah, again, I was nearly born in my in a taxi for my mum. Um, but and both my sister's labours. Taxi's quite a cute name. Taxi. Taxi <laughs> Mack. Taxi Mack. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think... For me, it was easier to get the babies out because I knew that it was all happening and there was going to be an end point to the pain. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Whereas if you're in labour and you're only like two centimetres dilated and you've got this intense pain that's not going away and only increasing, yeah. when, when is the end point? That's yeah. when it's psychologically hard to get your to brain over it because it's like... I don't know when this is going to end. So it's like when you're yeah. racing and you know there's a finish line. Yeah. But in pain, there's no, you know... But, yeah, if it had been going badly then, of course, I would have just been like, yeah. give me all the drugs immediately. Because your body, what you're going through is so intense, uh, it's actually exhausting. Mm-hmm. So it's just tiring. People forget that it's tiring when you're going through pain for that long. So an epidural just means that you can just chill out for a bit and yeah. have a sleep. Just gives and you get your energy back. Yeah, to be able to... Push it out. Get back in there again. Yeah. I yeah. remember I stood at that sink when I went into labour with Isaac, with my boy, um, and I remember we had... We had Snoop, the big basset hound, and um, and my waters went and Snoop immediately no. was over no. like a shot. Licking up the water! Trying to, and I was like trying to push him away like this is too disgusting. While I was trying to take my jogging bottoms off and get them in the sink because yeah. it was like wet through yeah. to kind of get him away. Um, and I was also, <laughs> I was also worried about like the pregnancy stopping. Uh, I was worried about the birth slowing down and me not being able to be as successful as with Lola. Yeah. So we went to see this random woman that we'd been recommended. <gasps> yeah. Up in Hampstead to go and have... Us. Yeah. Yeah, so what was What's she? What's it called? A doula. No, she was like some pregnancy expert. I don't know how this happened. I think we'd heard about her through, like, my birthing centre. And I was thinking about this earlier. Um, she specialised in acupuncture. OK. Right, to help the... the 
labour move along. The thing yeah. is, I was labouring fine. I didn't need to go up there, but I got it in my head that I did. Yeah. So Ben drove me up to Hampstead. I was in full labour, but I was like, no, I'm going to make sure the labour continues. I mean, I was completely not in my right mind. Yeah. Went into this little posh house in Hampstead. And for acupuncture, now when you're in labour, the last thing you really want is some needles being stuck into various <laughs> bits of it. I mean, it was so stupid. It was a but really... the lady went along with it. She was... Yeah, and I was kind of doing that terribly polite British thing of being like, oh, I don't really need this, but I don't, you know, I've no sort of... Yeah. I don't want to be an inconvenience and to stop this treatment, oh, you know? I mean, I was kind of like, oh, I should keep going with this. It's only polite. And... Um, Weirdly, her husband, I think he used to be, like, in Culture Club or something. He was, like, an ex-pop star. OK. And he, like, wandered in. And he was showing me pictures of his wife back in the day when she used to dance with the band. And there was, like, these topless shots of his wife. Oh, I mean, God. it was so, like, a weird dream sequence, yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. And then we just got the hell out of there and drove did to the ben, hospital. Did Ben put his foot down and be like, come on, this yeah, is Yeah, we silly. were like, what are we doing? Because yeah. she did her acupuncture in this back in this shed in the back garden that was a bit like a weird sort of Swedish sauna little plywood shed. And I'm sat on this, like, massage bench having pins put in there, being in full <laughs> labour. I mean, it was the stupidest idea. It's the best example of, like, don't let Saz do what she wants in this moment because she's clearly <laughs> off her head on some weird hormone <laughs> With ox- oxytonin oh or whatever it is, oxytonin. Yeah, and we got to the hospital and he was born... Like, you know, really soon after. Uh, yeah. Because I'd been dicking about maybe, popping to Hampstead for acupuncture. Maybe, maybe the acupuncture did speed it up. <laughs> the stress. Yeah. <laughs> from seeing some topless shots of this <laughs> random woman. It was so weird. And then with the third one, were you just quite laissez-faire about it? Because once you pop two out, it must be just like, oh, this is... Well, you read helpfully, you know, when you read stuff when you're pregnant. I'd read somewhere that, like, the third one can be the worst, can be the hardest, because everyone's expecting the first to be hard. But actually, that that was nonsense. She was just a big baby, but it was actually... Oh, yes, really. But it was fine, and we were convinced that we had another boy... And so she came out and we were really, we were really excited that we had a little girl. Because when I met Ben, I had Lola, who was a yeah. little, who was really tiny. But so this was his, you know, although actually he treats Lola like his daughter anyway. But it was yeah. nice to have another girl. Um, so that was a nice surprise. Because when Lola came out, they said, look what you've got, Sarah. And she's laid there in all these towels. And I went, oh, a boy. And they went... <laughs> Look again. <laughs> I was like, oh, because all the little bits get swollen, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they have yeah. this big rush of hormones to get them through the labour. Then I was like, oh, my girl. <laughs> Keep up. Um, and so when Renee came out, her nose got stuck on my sacrum. What's a sacrum? It's that little tail bit that used to be a tail when we were running around with the monkeys. A coccyx. So like... right at the bottom of your coccyx, wow. it's the movable bit that moves wow. when you give birth. Although she was so big that her little nose got flattened against my sacrum. Aww. So when she came out, she was a big, big baby. Um, How big? She was, uh, she was 10'4". Oh, Jesus, babe. Like the lorry, like the sort of 10'4", got ourselves a calm boy, <laughs> which is a, a wagon driver's daughter I was quite thrilled with. Because <laughs> I used to like going on the CB, 10'4". Um, so, yeah, she was a big old baba. And she'd got a bit wedged. And so... She came out and she was really, she was really fat and scrunched up and she was really bright purple. Yeah. But her nose was completely flat and really white because oh, it had been so yeah. pushy against me. She looked like a little sumo wrestler, yeah. really sweet. And full disclosure, we didn't take many pictures. Of <laughs> um, <laughs> the first few hours, because we were like, ooh, let's let her face settle a bit, because people would have been like, Christ, what's wrong with that child? <laughs> 
People were like, any photos? We're like, oh, no, we've run out of flash on our phones. Um, so we, do, we don't joke about it, because obviously she's blossomed into the most the heavenly girl, little yeah. girl. Um, but, yeah, hilariously, we were like, ooh, oh, she's got a good personality. <laughs> uh, but she was, uh, she was so squished, bless her. It was like, we just had to let the creases drop out a bit. Yeah. And the nose <laughs> unflatten. <laughs> and turn flesh-coloured. Yeah, and go flesh-coloured. It was really weird. OK, well, Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you. It's for your childbirthing it. wisdom. Oh, it's all coming flooding back. Maybe one day you can write a book about your experiences. Move over Ina May Gaskin. Yeah, do you, I don't know. I don't know what with the fish pans. Yeah. <laughs> How to vomit in a fish pan, chapter one. Could be helpful. Oh, Sarah Cox, how I love you so. And uh, so good to be able to talk about all things childbirth there. I hope that those stories brought you some humour and some kind of perspective on childbirth as being a bizarre, delirious, but joy-filled act. The next episode is all about sleep. It's the thing that most of us do the most in life. And also the thing that I think is really overlooked in terms of how much it affects every aspect of our life. I'm talking to another very close friend from broadcasting and someone who has had his fair share of sleep deprivation, and that is Nick Grimshaw. I have a wonderful memory provided by my sister, which involves sleep pissing. I don't know whether you were sleepwalking. All I know is that Sally had been in some sort of a box. Sally the being the doll. Yeah, and you had been found sitting on the box and Sally had been weed all over. <laughs> I'll see you then. Bye. Bye.